0: Good morning again. This morning we kick off a a fresh mini-series that we have called Grace Stories. Over the past four years, we've had the privilege of hearing from our very own membership more than 20 Grace Stories. These are real-life, authentic snapshots from the lives of people sitting right next to you every Sunday morning who are so much like you and like me in their wrestling with a life of faith in the midst of pain and struggle and turmoil in a broken world. This month, three more GRC members will courageously share a, a bit of their stories with us. First, Jack, then Kristen, and then Hannah. First, I want to share a brief thought with you to uh, set up a little bit of the context for this uh, mini series to emphasize why grace stories are so critical, so foundational to the gospel culture of our church. At the University of Pennsylvania, where Cedar and I met, from 2013 to 2016, uh, just about exactly a three-year period, ten students took their own lives. There was this cluster of incredible tragedy, ten different young adults each smart, each talented, each with an incredibly bright future ahead of them, each chose despair. Including a young woman from Allendale, some of you uh, heard this news a few years ago, who had been a star soccer player at Northern Highlands. She won two state championships with that school. She had a soccer scholarship offer from Lehigh. She chose to go to Penn and run track for the varsity uh, team. She had everything going for her. Beauty, brains, friends, athletic success, a loving family. And she jumped off a building near Rittenhouse Square. A task force was formed in the middle of this cluster of tragedies to figure things out, and its report included this statement, the pressures engendered by the perception perception that one has to be perfect in every academic, co-curricular, and social endeavor can lead to stress, and in some cases, distress. A summer 2015 New York Times article mentioned a similar Duke University report that described how its female students felt pressure to be effortlessly perfect, smart, accomplished, fit, beautiful, popular, all without visible effort. The article went on to note that at Stanford University, this Dynamic, this phenomenon is called the duck syndrome because the duck appears to effortless, effortlessly glide across a calm surface of the water, and meanwhile, underneath the surface, there's frantic, relentless paddling. That's the syndrome, if you will, that has afflicted these universities and, and many others. The appearance that I have everything all together, life is fine. I'm on top of the world. I am conquering mountains. And meanwhile, underneath the surface, incredible turmoil that would lead 10 young adults at the University of Pennsylvania over a three-year period to take their own lives. This isn't just a high-pressure college culture thing that only afflicts young adults, though. This is the stuff in the air we breathe, especially here in North Jersey, especially in the metro New York culture. And the Instagrammed and airbrushed filter view on reality makes so many people feel inadequate compared to what seems like other people's happiness and perfection and success and achievements. But so much of that is a mirage. It is a distorted fantasy land version of life. That's why these grace stories these real life gritty raw authentic often painful agonizing stories of people like you and like me are so important to tell and to hear this is the stuff of real life grace stories this is the stuff of of uh the the reality of a life of faith in a fallen world as fallen creatures. By highlighting these stories, and more importantly, by highlighting the power and promise of God to redeem what seems so lost and hopeless, we want you to know that Grace Redeemer Church is a safe place. We want to be an authentic community. We don't want to pretend or hide. We want to share openly. We want you to know GRC is a place for you to be real, for you to admit the depth of your pain, the extent of your struggle, we want you to know that this is a place where you can find loving support and the only complete healing that's possible through the gospel of Jesus Christ. This morning, Jack Gidney's ready to share his own story. It's a story that involves struggle and grief and relational pain, but his grace story reminds us that the God of resurrection is still at work even bringing new life through what seems like dead ends. Thanks, Jack.
1: Good morning. My grace story actually started when I was born. I grew up in Edgewater, New Jersey, which is about 10 miles from where we are now in Teaneck. Edgewater now is nothing like it was back then. It used to be a small industrial town, including Ford Motor Company, Alcoa Aluminum, uh, Pfizer Chemical, and it had a two-lane road that ran the length of it from Fort Lee to West New York. I grew up in the early 40s and 50s with my two sisters, my mom and my dad. I saw no turmoil in my family or any arguments between my parents. So I thought every family would be the same. I found out later that if my parents did argue, it would be after we kids went to bed. I attended a small Presbyterian church with my family where I learned about Jesus and the devil. At that time, I did not have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. I graduated high school in 1960. I met my wife-to-be at a CYO dance in Fort Lee, which I attended every Friday night for about three or four years. I was 17, and she was 14. I thought she was 16. Five years later, in 1966, we became husband and wife, and in 1968, my first son was born. We were 23 and 26 years old at the time, and there was no manual how to raise a child. So like other parents, we learned. In 1969, my second son was born. This time, we had some experience, and I had a second job. In 1972, my third son was born. These were a happy day's marriage. I was truly blessed and did not know it. And in 1986, I received a phone call at my job that my wife was having a hard time breathing, and could I come home? At the time, she was being treated for asthma. When I got home, we went straight to the hospital. There, after an examination, a pulmonary doctor told me that she was engulfed in cancer. Seven weeks later, she was gone, one day after our 20th anniversary. I basically wanted to die with her, even thoughts of suicide. I ignored my children. My youngest was living with his godparents. My second was going into his senior high at school, and the oldest was going out on his own. They were all very close to their mother, and I was more the disciplinarian, making sure they kept the rules. The boys and I did not have a good relationship at the time. I remarried 17 months later, hoping to put my life back together, having my children back with me, and that did not happen. Meanwhile, I had another son nine months after my marriage. My wife had never been married, and we did agree to have one child. Twelve months later, my fifth son was born. He was born with chronic asthma and was in the hospital seven times the first year. Things were... There were times when he left home in an ambulance that I thought I would never see him alive again. That was a very stressful year that took a lot out of me. 16 months after he was born, my daughter arrived. She was born with multiple abnormalities. She had severe psychomotor retardation, born with a pineal cyst, and multiple congenital abnormalities, an extra pinky toe on her right foot, and a very small head. She stopped breathing twice while in my wife's arms when she was less than a year old. The doctor put her on a napnea monitor, so at night, if she stopped breathing, we would be alerted. <clears throat> the alarm went off almost every night. The noise would get me running to her room, and the noise would startle her, and she would start breathing. This went on for quite a while, And then one night, I could not handle it anymore. That night, I reached out to God. Knowing that I was physically and mentally exhausted and unable to handle the situation in my own strength, so I put Danielle in his hands. I told him if he left her with me, I would do the best I can. And if he took her home, I would try to understand. At that same time, I put my faith in God and told him that I would try to live a life That would be pleasing to him in his strength, his grace, and his mercy. This is when my personal relationship started with the Lord Jesus Christ. That night I felt what seemed to be a physical weight come off my shoulders. That was about 25 years ago, and since then I've been in his word, and he is still guiding my steps. When I started reading the Bible, I came across verses in Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30, and I quote the Lord Jesus. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I never thought about a yoke, but a yoke is used on two in order that the load might be shared. That is what I experience. Praise God for his love and his mercy. About 12 months later, my sixth son was born. God is good and I am blessed. My advice to anybody listening to me is, do not wait for tragedy to strike in your home, but give your life to Christ today. My daughter just turned 26 on December 28th. She is still in diapers, does not talk, and has the mentality of a child of two years, older or younger. I look at her each day thinking that the Lord put her in my life to save me and to save others that may hear one of God's grace stories. One of my sons, who is also on her guardianship responsibilities, told me if anything ever happens to his sister, she would never be put into an institution. Her brothers truly love her. What joy and peace that gives me. I am still under construction and have a lot to learn, and that can only be accomplished by being connected to the family of God and staying in his word. So I quote a verse from the Apostle Paul taken from Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ... Be with you all, all to the glory of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: I pray for you. Father, we marvel because the only explanation for a man who has such inner strength, for a man with a smile from ear to ear, for a man with the courage to share boldly a message of hope and not despair. The only explanation is because the gospel of grace, the gospel of Jesus Christ, has done this work of raising him to new life. Father, you are even now still renewing Jack from the inside out, but we give you praise for all that you have done. You receive the glory and the honor for everything this man is today. We praise you in Jesus' name, amen. By the way, a lot of you don't know Jack because he's a second-service guy. Uh, He's been regularly attending GRC since the summer. And um, you can find Jack at the Bergen County Zoo at on Park on Tuesdays and Fridays, um, tooling around and fixing things and and, uh, working his mechanical magic. But um, he's also uh, been a part of the Thursday night Bible study, right? The, The men's Bible study, so some of you... Guys have had a chance to get to know him there. Let me read a passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 1 to, get us, um, to keep us going here. Listen carefully. These are God's words. <clears throat> we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we do give you thanks. We do trust that the prayers of many have been at work in Jack's life over the years. Some perhaps unbeknownst to him. Father, we continue to pray this morning that uh, those here in despair experiencing deep pain, feeling hopeless, Lord, that you would similarly reveal yourself, the goodness of your heart, the perfection of your promises to each mind and heart, and show us Jesus, the risen one who has conquered sin and death on our behalf, that we might have hope and hope everlasting. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I know Jack's story is pretty vivid, but I want to walk through uh, so many of the, the key points to keep us in this rich narrative and then interact with some of what Paul is saying here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Jack's story starts <clears throat> as a story of a, a stable, loving, church-going family, mom, dad, two girls, and a boy. And then a few years later, Young Love, followed by Jack's own My Three Sons, during the time that TV show was running in the 60s. A happy days marriage, he said, just as happy days was hitting the airwaves. And in an instant in 1986, the sun stopped shining. The light was turned off in his life. It would be anyone's worst nightmare. Uh, sudden cancer diagnosis, and seven weeks later, the love of his life gone after 20 years of marriage. Dead end number one. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. You heard Jack say he wanted to end his life at one point. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Death. I wonder how many of us have felt that kind of pressure, how many of us have preferred life to end at one point or another, feeling like there's no longer any reason to keep living. My educated guess is that uh, a few dozen of you have felt that kind of life-altering tragedy that pulls the string and turns the light off in your life. Darkness all of a sudden. But it doesn't take that kind of, that degree of life altering tragedy for many others to feel pressure so great that you despair, that you hardly want to get out of bed in the morning, that you feel like everything is gray and dull, black and white, lifeless. Jack remarried a year and a half later. An injection of happy relief from pain but a dark cloud remained because he just didn't know how to relate in a healthy way to his three boys. He told me as we sat uh, over a cup of coffee this week, it was my wife they needed, not me. Why couldn't God take me? And then two more boys born. I think I should have used Psalm 127 as our text this morning. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Jack has got a quiver, people. Six sons. But number five had such health problems in his first year of life that you heard Jack say several times as he got carted off to the hospital in an ambulance, he wondered if he'd ever see him alive again. And then Danielle... To the world, to the world, from a purely secular perspective that measures a life in terms of usefulness and productivity, to the world, her life is not a very valuable life. She was born with severe retardation, multiple congenital abnormalities. She'll never be able to care for herself or even have a simple conversation And one night when he got up yet again to check the monitor that indicated she had stopped breathing, he reached dead end number two, maybe two and a half with his sick son, the most hopeless of all the obstacles Jack had faced in his life, the night he reached his breaking point. If Paul's words had been true before, now they even more accurately and painfully describe Jack's life. Once again, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. I can't go on anymore. Desperately crying out, he shared, I couldn't handle it. And that kind of dead end is exactly what God so often, so consistently so graciously uses to bring about newness of life. Jack reached his ultimate dead end, but God. As you've heard me say many times, those are gospel words, but God. Verse 9 has more than the sentence of death part. There's a major transition point. There's a, there's a, a major um, flipping of the tone Indeed, we had felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. Jack's story is a vivid example of how salvation so typically unfolds in people's lives. When God hears, I can't do it anymore. His response is always, no, you can't, you never could, but I have done it for you. Will you trust in me? This is why Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount that uh, in our uh, book of Matthew, at least, three-chapter-long, epic teaching stretch before the crowds on the countryside. This is why Jesus begins that entire teaching stretch of the Sermon on the Mount with this promise. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who know they have nothing left in their tank. Blessed are those, again going back to Josh's preparation for the beginning of the worship service, blessed are those who, are, who know they're empty, that they might be filled up with all that God has in His abundance of gospel promises. The problem is that as long as we think we can do it ourselves, it's that two-year-old mentality that we just can't shake. I do, I do. The illusion of self-sufficiency stifles faith. It smothers it. It prevents faith from taking root and growing and thriving. We think we can do it. We want to be independent We don't want to depend on other people. We don't want to ask for help. We don't want anyone else to think that we are less than fully competent, less than fully equipped in every aspect of life to do everything it takes to achieve, to attain. God becomes irrelevant in that scenario or unnecessary because I got it. I got this. I don't need any help. And you know what? Many of us here in Grace Redeemer Church, many of us seem to be doing a really good job at handling life. You're doing great. (laughs) But your success, your good run of health, your nice family and nice home and nice job just may be the factor that is preventing you from fully realizing your desperate need of the saving grace of God. Because the illusion of self-sufficiency is maintained by just enough success that you continue to think, I got this, no problem, I'm doing great, got myself through school, found the right job, weaved my way through obstacles and found this career niche where I'm thriving. For Jack, it took two life-altering dead ends. Did you hear his challenge at the very end? if you're listening to me, don't wait for tragedy to strike. Put your trust in Christ today. Because for some people, that jolt may never come. And it'll be too late. If you insist on making your own way, God will sometimes let you. And the ultimate price of living independently is this. You get to pay the price of eternal death for your own sins. You've handled life, now you can handle death. All on your own. But Jack looked to Christ. In God's goodness and wisdom, he used Jack's helplessness. Jack even put it more powerfully. He used a 26-year-old in diapers who will never mature beyond the mentality of a two-year-old or less. He used this precious daughter made in his image to rescue Jack from darkness and death, from himself. He used Danielle. He used that dead end, that night, When Jack reached the end of himself, God used all of that to give Jack the spiritual clarity to see his lifelong folly of trusting in his own strength. How merciful that was of a loving and perfect Father in heaven to do that. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Sin kills Healing and new life can only come from the God of resurrection who first raised His Son from death, who rescued Him from uh, the ultimate consequence of sin, not His, but ours, and now promises to raise to newness of life any who place their faith in that same Jesus. This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead, the dead end Wasn't the end. God brought life, spiritual, eternal, robust, joy filled life through that dead end. At the beginning, I mentioned the suicides on campus. Maybe some of you are at a real dead end in life, feeling despair, whether from tragedy or along the continuum from the perception that you need to be perfect that you should be farther along in life by now, making more money, wielding more influence, higher up. Or that your grades should be better, or that you should have gotten into a better school. You just didn't cut it. Or or that you, you should have some niche where you excel and you don't. Or you should be married, have some kids, be in better physical shape. Whatever it is, if you feel that you've hit a dead end, do not despair. There's hope. In your helplessness, turn to Christ, just as Jack did. Don't pray that God would give you the strength to accomplish what you need to accomplish. That's just seeing Him as the divine assistant. You know, I could use a little help over here, but I got it. No, don't pray that. So often, God's just going to ignore that prayer not give you the help because He needs you. He knows in His wisdom that you need to come to the end of yourself to say, I don't got this. I never have had what it takes. And I simply need to trust in you. I'm empty, God. Fill me up with everything that you are. Pray for the faith instead. Pray for the faith to trust that Christ has done it for you by going to the cross, by dying and being in the tomb, and by rising to newness of life on the third day. That is the good news, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And along the way, as you wrestle with that core of biblical Christianity, some of you saying, I know, I hear it, I I can't quite believe it yet. Others of you saying, I have known that, but I need it to take deeper root in my life to produce fruit. If you need any kind of help along that continuum, Do you believe me when I say, leaning on grace stories like Jack's, GRC is a safe place. It's a place where you can get some serious help. You won't be judged because, frankly, you won't be any different than the rest of us. You'll simply be a fellow sinner experiencing brokenness and frustration and pain and failure like everyone else here. And we'll pray with you. We'll commiserate with you. We will point you to Jesus. We will offer whatever help circumstantially in your life that we can provide. So come talk to anyone serving communion today. Our pastors, our elders, deacons, deaconesses. Um, pop into celebrate recovery, which meets every Wednesday night right here at 7 p.m. with a meal or email counseling at graceredeemer.com and you will get a confidential interaction with a staff member pointing you in the right direction. And that direction is there is hope offered to you through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, only you, the God of resurrection, the God who raises the dead, only you, Lord, could give a promise that has any root, has any power, has backing in the face of the mess of life that so many of us experience, face, are rendered helpless by. But in our helplessness, you are the great helper. Give us that faith, trust that what we could never do in saving ourselves from sin, you have done through your Son, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.